So last weekend, I had the great privilege of being down in Indianapolis with an organization some of you might be familiar with, NCYC, National Catholic Youth Conference, but it's this annual gathering of teens from all over the country. And they hold it in Indianapolis, kind of a central location, and there's talks all over the place, and I think I got invited because someone looked at the lineup and said, we just don't have enough gray-haired old priests, so let's get this guy. But for their masses, they would get together in Lucas Oil Stadium, okay? And about 15,000 kids and their chaperones were there. Taylor Swift filled the place, but that's okay. And it's just so powerful to see them all together because they worked so hard to get there. I mean, a lot of them did fundraisers, they came in buses, most of them were sleeping on gym floors and just all over the place. But when they came together for the liturgies, it was just so powerful. I mean, imagine 15,000 in a football stadium and incredibly reverent, incredibly joyful. They did adoration as well as the masses. But something that occurred to me is that almost certainly when those kids went back as part of their program, whatever they're in, they would be required over the course of their years to do service hours, right? If got any high school kids here or your kids or grandkids, service hours. It's just a thing these days. You know, you go off and it's part of your education. And when you do these service hours, you've got to record them, you've got to log them. Um, I know from Carmel, a lot of discussion goes into, should we increase the hours? Do we decrease the hours? Is this competing with time for other things like sports or activities? But just that idea. I mean, we have groups that come to the seminary and I have to like sign off on their little form. Yes, you did 1.5 hours. But I was thinking, none of those kids at NCYC had to have their arms twisted. You know, nobody said, you've got to get NCYC hours. You've got to sign up. And none of them said, oh man, do we really have to go down there this weekend? Is this really required? So think about the difference. And I'm not just being a grumpy old priest, but think about the difference. Why we do what we want to do. Nobody has to convince us what we love. Nobody has to convince us what we get excited about. Nobody has to convince us what it feels like to be in real relationship. Not just when you're with 15,000 of your closest friends, but when you're with one or two of your deepest friends. And so as we continue talking about service, this idea of service, and this is the last Sunday in this little session for St. Joe's, but it's a fair question to ask. And we hear this gospel, right? We hear it every year. And if you're like me, I always squirm a little bit because I know there's a lot more goat in me than sheep. You say, well, why don't we do more of that? You know, why don't we give more of our time? Why do we have to log our hours, whether it's literally log them for some requirement or whether it's figuratively log them because, well, somebody's kind of made us feel like we ought to do it, as opposed to the things that we love to do, which maybe require even more of our time or more of our money or more of our attention because we love it and we love the people that we're with. You're going to work for lots of different motivations. A slave works out of fear. An employee works out of need. A Christian servant works out of love. 
And it's really important for us to remember that this gospel today comes right on the heels of last Sunday's gospel, the one about the talents, right? The, the one guy invests it, the other guy buries it. Matthew wasn't thinking, well, I'm writing the gospel for the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time, and now let me write the one for Christ the King. He's just writing one continuous narrative. And he wanted to make sure that we had in our skulls that the guy who buried the talent, who didn't invest it, who didn't raise money so he could go to Indianapolis, he did it out of fear, right? Remember that? He was afraid. He was afraid that he might blow it. He was afraid that he might get punished. He was afraid. And so he takes whatever he was given and he just buries it. I'd like to suggest that's what it feels like when we just kind of go through the motions. Either because somebody forced us to do it or Catholic guilt or we have a sense of obligation. I just want to say as a side, I mean, don't hear what I'm not saying. I think most schools deal with this very well, or many of them do. I know Catholic does a great job with how they talk about service hours. I'm sure LHS, Loyola, whatever you're involved with, but a lot of them don't. And as we grow up and we graduate, those service hours, so to speak, never quite go away. And how we engage in them, it's the same dynamic. And so Matthew wanted us to remember that just as we're thinking about, gosh, do I not invest what's been given to me? Do I not sacrifice myself? Do I not live as self-gift because I'm afraid of what the consequences might be? Matthew wanted us to have that in mind as then Jesus comes on the scene and says, well, let me tell you, not just you should do this so you get into heaven one day, you should do this if you love me. You should do this because you see in the eyes of those my eyes. And what Jesus knew was that he wasn't going to be around for much longer. They didn't fully know that. But he hoped, I'm sure, that they would remember. And when their hearts were breaking because all of a sudden the one they loved was gone, would they remember that he said, no, when you look at this person, you really do have me with you. And there's no footnote or asterisk there. Well, it's not really Jesus. It's kind of Jesus. And something I wanted to get across to the kids is they were so moved with adoration. And it's very impressive the way they do it there with lights and music and, and all the bishops, more, more bishops than you could shake a bulletin at. Loaded. And everybody's there on their knees in adoration. But what I wanted to say is pay attention to next weekend's gospel. Because again, it's not like when we see someone on the side of the road, that's Jesus' light. But in the monstrance, that's the real thing. One is not more important than the other. Those false divisions, right? Lots of people want to stir that up. But maybe just as a little spiritual exercise as we get ready to launch into the Advent season is to ask ourselves, how is my service, quote unquote, tied to my love? Because if we start there, that's how our hearts become more generous. Show me the person who really does give time to the man or woman asking for money. Show me the person who really does give time in their parish, volunteering. And I'll show you a person who knows what it means to love. And sometimes love has to start close at home before it broadens out. In fact, it almost always has to be that way. And so wherever the challenge is when you hear that gospel, if you're like me and you squirm a little bit and you realize, 
man, I'm pretty, I'm pretty low on the totem pole in terms of how I live that out, then just start by asking, well, where's my love? Whom do I love? Okay, I could tick off three or four people, but broader than that, whom do I love? And what would it take to fall in love? You can't be guilted into loving someone. It takes time, it takes investment. And that's not an easy thing to do. But for the things that we know we love, we'll easily give up whatever it takes to be there. I had the beautiful experience of witnessing 15,000 people who were there because they loved to be there. They loved the Lord, yes, but they loved being with each other. And that's the whole point. That's the body of Christ. A lot of different motivations for serving. The slave serves out of fear. The employee serves out of need. And the Christian servant serves out of love.